it's Tom Kradza, and Nick and I finally sat down to do another podcast. We're back. In January, we got them loaded up back-to-back, so get ready. And on this one, we do a 2022 preview. We talk about interest rates, population trends, supply of real estate. We touch on to Bitcoin. We get into rental rates on properties. We get into politics a little bit even. We're all over the map. So this was a fun episode to sit down with Nick and go through a bunch of that stuff. And listen, if you are listening to this and you are still not a rock star inner circle member, and you are in the greater Toronto area of any sort, the whole Golden Horseshoe. We have members from as far east as Belleville, up in Aurelia, Sarnia, we have members from. We have members in Windsor, Niagara Falls, London, Ontario. So if you are around in the GTA and you are not a rock star member yet, you can check out everything we are doing with investors by visiting the CanadianRealEstateTraining.com website. You'll also get the opportunity, yes, the opportunity to sign up for the next training class that we're doing as an introduction to new investors. And if you want to learn how we're working with investors, that is your place to start. You can get your seat for that. We're doing them virtually right now by visiting CanadianRealEstateTraining.com. It's about a 90-minute class. Nick and I stick around afterwards and answer all the questions that you have So if you're thinking about getting into the real estate market in 2022 as an investor, you can come to our free introductory training class by registering yourself at CanadianRealEstateTraining.com. That's it for the intro. Happy New Year, everyone. Let's get on with the show. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate, business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Are you ready? Let's go. Okay, we are live with my brother, Nicholas Alexander Carazza, and this is a preview to 2022. I just, we just had a mortgage uh, renew at one, wait, I want to get the interest rate right, 1.15%. It was bank prime minus one4 um, and it's, it ends that's up weird because that was, that's the same as we got another one a few months ago, but at that time wasn't bank prime bank prime was slightly lower. So the discount on this one is actually higher. Higher. Yeah. yeah I think bank prime was the same, but the discount changed. No, because fixed rates went up. So isn't bank prime based on bank prime's rates? on variable. It's on variable. Variable. Bank Canada rate. Yes. Okay. And then they change it. So like lately they've been playing games that if the bank of Canada, like, you know, extends a 0.25% discount. Yeah, they don't they give, don't give it all. And it doesn't even make sense what I'm saying here because I'm pretty sure, it, this is TD Bank, I'm pretty sure TD Bank Prime is like 2.45 and I got 1.4, should be 1.05, but then on the paper I saw 1.15. Anyway, it's one Yeah, that's po- why I was confused because the discount sounded high. High, yeah. Yeah, yeah it shows 1.4. I got to look into that again. Maybe I got 1.05. But no, it said 1.15. Maybe you're below regardless, one. regardless, it's 1.15 is the, uh, is the rate. So... Um, yeah, which is crazy. But I think now on um, it's, it, well, on declared on. rental property, so that's a renewal, which you're always going to get a better rate yeah. on the renewal because the banks are just renewing those. Yeah. They're not kind of like... It's like a quarter point higher on a rental property, roughly. Yeah. 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 I was talking to Dan and he was saying uh, 2.7 uh, for a uh, fixed rate on uh, rental properties. And like the variable was like 2.1 
or something. Oh, really? Like yeah. Oh, that's high. But it's yeah, changing a lot. Like... And that's just who they deal with. Yeah. So maybe other banks, no, like, and, and, I don't know what CIBC is doing. And the discount could have changed. I mean, it wasn't long ago that it was in the mid mid Correct. runs, right? Yeah. So it yeah, could, 1. could have Yeah, 1.6. Like 1.6 yeah. was going out the door all the time on rental property variable. It doesn't matter. At this, at this rate, it's still ridiculously low. Well, if they're inflating the currency at, let's call it, I, I forget the Canadian number now, but let's call it 15%. I think it's slightly higher, but let's say it's at 15%. So they're they're inflating the currency, and you're able to borrow at you know one one and a half two percent whatever two and a half percent. If we if you play that game, depending on how long they're going to keep doing it, you end up ahead because that debt just keeps shrinking based on what they're doing, right? Yeah, like it just I'm just trying to see where how this ends. Like it just keeps making sense to buy assets and hold assets. They're making money cheaper, and everybody thinks well rates are going to go up. But they, we've been told that since at least 2010. Yeah. Until the party stops. So, and then, so I was just reading an article about uh, one of the Fed governors. Um, it was like the Kansas City governor. He had retired in 2011. He was the only guy that kept voting against quantitative easing every time that they had that had the vote for it. He became a governor in like 2007 or something. And he was the, the one guy, the one dissenting vote, uh, vote. And he's like, this is what I was scared of. Exactly what we're seeing now is what I was scared of. So, and then in that article, they were talking about when Volkler, Volkler, Volker, yeah, <laughs> when he increased rates in the early 1980s, in the early 1980s, and then just they didn't think about, at that time, they didn't think about all the different, all the other impacts that it would have. So I think that, I think the number was 1600 bank failures, which was as high as like, you know, during the depression. And this, this same guy, this Fed guy, he wasn't a Fed governor at the time. He was responsible for going and checking on the health of all the banks. So 1,600 banks failed during that time. So they didn't really see what the long-term or the domino effect of what the, raising the interest rates would be. So sure, it would kill inflation, but these the other things. And I think this is why, you know, it's going to be hard for them to do that now. And because the problem is so much bigger uh, you know, every day that goes by as the problem grows and grows. And it's global. Pain, it's yeah. pretty much global. And the pain would be more and more. But it was just an interesting take seeing his his take on it. Because this is the one guy it, it, on the Federal uh, Reserve Open Market Committee that was voting against this saying we're not, we should not be doing quantitative easing. Every once in a while, I wonder if they just pick one guy. I wonder, So they yeah. just, you know, we have one guy who's saying, hey, we shouldn't. But everyone else does it anyway. But so apparently almost, he was like... Uh, you know, I mean, from this article and his words that he was not looked favorably upon because of it. And I think I, I feel like they manipulate the narrative so beautifully, like you almost have to respect it because even now the Bank of Canada governor is in here in Canada is talking about possibly raising rates soon. So if they, which they didn't recently, yeah. you know, they, they should have, the, the real estate market's on fire. So like if there was any time well, to raise rates, they should have raised it, yeah. but they didn't raise rates, but he keeps talking about they're going to. So it's a beautiful story because then the media then reports, well, they're about to raise rates and they're going to raise them multiple times. So for six months, at least you can have this narrative in Canada that, well, rates are going to go up. And then if they raise them a quarter point and say, you know, we're going to raise them again, you have another six months. So a whole year can go by of just talking. You get one quarter point move, but everyone's talking as if rates are going to go yeah. up. Well, I mean, it wasn't long ago that Scotia said there was, wasn't a Scotia that came out. There were the first yeah, ones, yeah. eight rate hikes next year. Yeah. Like that. Was it eight next year or like in 18 months or something? I thought year it was next year. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Maybe yeah. It, was it was five. Insane. I don't know, but it, yeah. whatever it was, it was aggressive. I'm like, okay, well, they better start like, I mean, they better start in January yeah. if they're going to get this yeah. thing what rolling. Yeah, what are they going right? to like 0.05 uh, <laughs> Rating. They're going to have to go to tiny yeah, rate increases. Yeah, 0.01% increase. Perfect. I mean, when you just think about it, like, 
are the Canadian debt right now, the last time I checked, we report it so maliciously. We report it as net debt because we take the Canadian pension plan, the portion of some of Canada's pension plans in Quebec and the rest of the country that are invested in equities, we actually deduct that off our debt. Never mind that those are obligations that we need that money to pay for our pension funds. But we just take that off our debt and report our net debt. So then when you see reports of G7 countries um, compared to each other, which include like Germany and the UK, the US, France, Italy, Japan, Canada is always the best because it's like, well, look at our net debt. But none of those other countries do that because their pension funds, our pension funds, sorry, was so far behind in the late 1990s that I think it was Jean Chrétien and Paul Martin who allowed the pension funds to say, okay, you, can, you guys can invest in equities instead of safer bonds. And when they started doing that, then from our accounting in Canada, we're like, oh, well, if we have some equity somewhere, we'll deduct that off our debt. So when we report debt as a country, we report it as net debt. But when you look at our gross debt, like if we weren't to take that as a deduction, our gross debt's right in line. It's over 100% GDP, just like all these other countries. But we always report it like, oh, we're like 35. A couple of years ago, it was 35%. Now I think it's like closer to 50. But it, but it looks so good. And it gives you a kind of a cover, more cover, and another interesting narrative to say, we can print more money. It's not a problem. But we've, always pr we've already printed a crap load. Well, they're just looking at the carry. I mean, look, the, the, politically, they've just, they, they continue to come out and say, well, it's okay because interest rates are low. So the carrying costs on it are low. Which doesn't really, it's, it's like if you put it, so, so then, you know, the argument about raising interest rates, essentially we're in, in a time right now, if rates are going to go up. So let's, let's, let's just say that, that, that the government is going to raise rates in a, not an aggressive manner, but in a pretty consistent manner next year. So there's going to be some, uh, you know, a decent move in interest rates. Then it, essentially in our federal debt, we're in a situation now like we've 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 qualified for one of these you know B level visas, so like the ones that they give away at the Leaf game for free, um, and you're you're in the introductory rate period, so you you know you you get six months at at a five percent visa rate or whatever the number is three percent, and then after that six months, all of a sudden your payment's going to jump because your rate goes from five or six percent to twenty percent, so now all of a sudden your payment is going to just jump enormously. I don't know if we're ready for that. And that's why I think it's without some exterior factors, like some sort of black swan event that really kind of causes like gyrations through the bond market. I don't think it's possible. And I, I know you agree. And that's why we don't think it's possible because the, the carrying costs on our debt would change so much that it throws the, the national finances completely out of whack. And if that happens, then we have way bigger problems that we have to worry about than the mortgage renewal rate that's coming mm -hmm. up for, for anyone. And, and, I think, and I think there's also even a different, so I agree, and I think there's also a different way to look at it, that if rates were to go up, existing bondholders would have a heart attack. Because if you're holding bonds right now yeah. that are paying out like tiny amounts of interest, 0 0.5, 0 0.8, 1.2, whatever it yeah, is. And you're a big, most of them are like big insurance companies, pension funds, yeah. right? And then some new bonds come out with higher rates of, let's say, something crazy, like 4%. Like, that should be crazy. But in today's world, that's crazy. What the heck happens to the bond market? But, but yeah, because the value of those other bonds. So for anyone that doesn't understand it, if, if, if the rates go up, so the yield on the bond increases to 4%, the value of the bond actually drops. So the people holding these other bonds their value of that bond would drop. So, you know, maybe they hold it to maturity, but they're just losing out. And it doesn't matter. They lose out either way. 
I don't, and, and we're I don't talking, understand how. And again, I, I we're talking and real moves, though. Not not like yeah, not quarter point, half yeah. point over a year. Yeah, yeah. Not even a full point over you know a year and a half. Like we're talking about like three percent moves or something like, like that. Like real changes yeah, in, yeah. in in what interest rates mm-hmm. are doing. Like hey, interest rates are going up. They're going up for a multi year period. They're gonna you know they're gonna be stay there for a while. Like that type mm-hmm. of stuff, which we're just. Hard to see. We're going to, uh, so Greg's going to come back on, Greg Foss is going to come back on in January at some point. And I want to talk to him about specifically that, like some new bonds at like 4%, what would he say happens to existing bondholders? That just is like a recipe for destruction to me. So for many, Poli- and, and not just destruction financially, politically, politically, that's and, the other thing that people don't take into account. Yeah. And then here's the other thing that I think people don't take into account when Canada increases our money supply. So it looks like we've increased our money supply since COVID broke out by about 28% best on my math. So if you Google up Canada M2 and you look at the different charts, you can do the math and it looks like we've increased it about 28%. So Canada has increased its money supply 28%. Now, Canada, when was Canada formed? Like 1867, but I think we went to like the central bank money around the 1930s. We were like 10, 20 years later than the Americans. We still had like the Canadian Imperial Bank of Commerce like receipt where you had to deposit at that bank and you got a, you got a bill or a receipt from that bank or the Royal Bank of Canada. You can find these if you go to stamp stores and stuff. You can find these collectible bills that still say like, Royal Bank of Canada, payable to the bearer on demand, $5 worth of silver or whatever it is. Yeah, we have we have some. We got them. For, I have one. Um, it's from CIBC. It's Canadian Imperial Bank, Bank of Commerce. Commerce. And like it's a like a $5 bill, yeah, which like is like a, a receipt for a deposit. Yep. And in the 1930s, I think most of that went away. Someone can check that out and kind of verify our dates, but I think it's roughly around that time. And then we just kind of went to the Canadian dollar through a central bank, the Bank of Canada. And then we've now increased the money supply since that moment. I guess you could go back even earlier if you count all these different currencies that were, or, you know, these receipts that different banks in Canada had. But at least from that point, we've increased our currency in the country by 30% in the last two years. 30%. So if you're a foreign institution who's going to buy Canadian bonds because our government here needs to run more deficits to fund more unfunded policies, as a country investing money, do you want to invest in a country where they're increasing their currency supply currency supply 30% over two years? Like if I'm Norway or if I'm Sweden and I'm like, okay, I want to diversify some of my holdings outside of my country and I look at Canada and they've increased their M2 that much. I mean, if I'm a smart kind of risk guy, I'm probably not going to put as much into Canada as I once did. I'm going to look for other options. Mm-hmm. So and if that's the case, and then I guess you could argue, well, everybody's the same. Yeah. And Canada's the, the, you know, the maybe. Just Although we have gone up more we, as a percentage base. We were, we led the way as how much we've grew the money supply around uh, over yeah, COVID. Only the US beat, US beat us. But oh, at one point we were winning. Yeah, US oh, kind of crushed the, us. This was, this was last year, I guess, yeah. before, the, yes. before the big stimulus yeah. packages. Yeah, yeah and yeah. The, the US just kind of came came roaring to the number one spot. But um, why, would, why would a country do that? So then that leaves our Bank of Canada having to buy more of our bonds, printing more money, increasing M2, and it's like this debt death spiral just can, can, kind of continues. Like it's a freaking mess. And, it, and if, we, if we look forward into 2022... That means I just don't understand how rates go up. And then if rates don't go up. Well, they no, well, they, no, they can go up. Yeah, they, quarter they, point, they, sure, yeah, half but, point. But even yeah. still, like, no, yeah, no, because okay. like, look, if we were talking about what they did in the U.S. before and they forced them up and they just put them up, but, but the, the, there, was, there was pain because of it. So if, some, if they're willing to endure the short-term pain, they can push them up. And I know there's like, 
it's it, because of the debt. Like there's all sorts of problems associated with that. But I mean, they can't can go up like, temporarily. But so, okay, so what happens? To, uh, uh, what happens in this scenario? Let's say the Bank of Canada raises rates, you know, at some point in the first few months of 2022, quarter point, and the Liberals at the same time change down payment requirements for people who own multiple properties, however they're going to do it. I don't know if they're going to do it on vacation properties, investors with a certain amount of properties, and that goes from 20% to 30%. Mm -hmm. And rates go up at the same time. Maybe the real estate market's in for a bit of a pause. I think the real estate market's in for a bit of a pause regardless. Yeah, well, like, I don't think relative can, to how it's going, it can't yeah, keep going at this pace, yeah. so that's fair. But, but I just mean, does it, is, it, is it maybe more than we even expect? No, uh, maybe. Maybe the, the, the rates will matter for sure. I don't think the change to down payments for people that own multiple properties, I don't think that's going to have a big impact on the market. I, I, like It's going to remove some people from the market. I just don't think it's going to have as big, I just don't think it's going to be a, a, a big thing. And the, and I guess it's, there, there's a caveat to that. Like if it's someone buying a cottage for themselves, so they get one second property, you know, I don't, I think that it's definitely going to be muted. And the, the reason why is I just, I don't think, it's, I think they're doing it from a political standpoint. They need to do it because people are looking at that as they're like, well, that's the problem, right? But it's not really the problem. There's, there's other problems and those problems are much bigger. So if the problem, if you divide the problem, there's, you know, you have hundred percent of the problem, the people buying multiple properties, I think it's in the single digits what percent of the problem that is, right? And it's definitely not more than 20%. So it's definitely the minority of the issue. So I don't think it's going to have this, this huge impact, no different than, the foreign buyer tax, when it was implemented in Vancouver and Toronto, did it impact things? Yeah, that, One, that had no, no impact. Well, it did at first. Yeah, it did, right? it, it it did, did a little bit. And we heard of people backing out that we're going yeah. to invest here. So you're right. But, so there were some ripple. At yeah. first, it was like, oh, everyone paused because everyone didn't know what was going yeah, on. Yeah. So, it, so it had some impact. Then there were some lasting little ripples and then it just went away. So I don't know. I don't think that's going to make much of a difference. But politically, they get to stand up and be like, hey, look what we did. You know, we were protecting the little guy. Because we, this is what we did to make sure these 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 bad people that are hogging all these properties, we're going to make it harder for them to buy. And I just, I don't see it. And I could be wrong. I, I'm basing that not really. Uh, usually I have facts and figures behind it. I'm not actually basing that on facts no, and, and, figures, I, and Just I, what we see on the streets. And I wonder if it, like everything the government does, it just screws things up more. Because I wonder if it just destroys the middle class in Canada further. Because the people who already have properties have enough equity in their homes that if they want to grow their portfolio further... So, you know, they can put down 30%. They can go into their equity and they can still buy. So it's like a case of you're making the rich richer because you're just eliminating the competition for those people from the first time investor buyer who maybe is just getting into their market in their first rental property, trying to put 20% down, could barely get enough to put 20% down. And now they change the rules to 30%. I'm not saying they're going to, but yeah. if they did to 30% as just taking something yep. from the air, um, those people then are like, oh, damn, now I can't. But the person who already has a bunch of properties, like this is how ridiculous the government is. The, per the people who have a bunch of properties already are like, oh, you know what? I can keep buying and now I have less competition. And we have so much population growth in this country, which we can talk about, that I'm not even sure that removing the investor with higher down payments alleviates the housing problem. Yeah. Maybe, and, but and, maybe, and maybe it does a little. Maybe it does. I don't know. See, because I think you're addressing the symptom, not the cause, right? And I know, I, I know you agree to that, would agree with that as well. What I mean by that is if they continue to inflate things the way they have been, to your point, the people that have the equity, if things are getting inflated, which means like, like, like this, and it doesn't have to be real estate. Look at the stock market. Like it's just been inflated. Like this, it's a joke. 
the real estate market, the stock market, it's all a joke. It's it's all this money yeah, every just time running the into S&P financial 500, assets. I saw a headline, it was hitting an all-time new high. Yeah, yeah. and real estate <laughs> Last prices Last year, up. it was hitting all-time new highs every week. Yeah, and real estate prices up in you know different areas like Toronto, 20% year over year. I'm like, I mean, this isn't no, these aren't normal market mm-hmm. dynamics. But if they're going to keep inflating everything, okay, then the people that have assets already, to your point, and that have equity, they're, gonna, they're still going to buy properties even with a higher down payment, mm-hmm. to your point, because they're going to be like, well... It's either that I just leave it here and I lose the value, the purchasing power of that equity or my cash, or I put it in assets. So yeah, it's more of a down payment. Are they going to be happy about it? No, because they can buy less homes. But but those are the people that are not going. They're going to they're not going to let it sit there and just watch their purchasing power disappear. They're going to be like, Mm -hmm. get me some assets, and it might be stocks and it might be real estate, whatever. But they're going to push money. It might be Bitcoin. Like they're going to push money into things. So I I really think it's like an optics thing. It's no different when they did um. It was a foreign buyer tax and something else at the same time around rent controls or whatever. Like, it's just, there's a lot of things they do that don't really have an impact mm-hmm. and they just sound very yeah, good at that time. They just keep addressing the symptom yeah, instead not of the, the problem, problem which the problem is, is stop is spending th- money we don't have. The problem's them. But as a politician, they all they know is I get votes by promising people shit. And if I promise people a lot of shit, I'll get the votes. So the only way politicians know to get in power that I've seen is to promise people stuff. Yeah. And then you get the votes. The only person who seems to be talking about is that one po- politician. Well, there's a few, but Pierre Polivare <laughs> seems to be, yeah. seems to be setting himself up to announce he's a major Bitcoiner or behind Bitcoin at some point, because the way he's speaking, it's clear he is being influenced by hard money. I, I don't know if it's just the circles that I, I run in with people, but it seems like I'm like, man, this guy's getting a lot of traction. Like he's getting a lot. Well, he's a, a he's lot very of articulate. Yes. He's, very, he's a orator. He's a great orator. And great orators win elections. Well, like, look, orator, look at Obama. Obama was an, probably one of the best orators yeah. I've ever heard. With strong arguments. Yeah, right? I don't know if you need strong arguments. No, but I mean, he's got strong arguments, so it makes it like logical arguments. But you're right. I mean, great orators, I mean, they, they start. Yeah, you're a great orator in politics, and you prom- promise people stuff. Yeah, it'll be interesting if, if, if this politician in Canada, am I saying his last name properly? I have no idea how to say that. How is he going to work things? Because if he did get into power, let's say he ran for the leadership of the PC party, how's that going to work? Because every government we've ever known just promises Mm -hmm. people stuff, but he's basically someone who's saying, we're spending too much money. Does he just change? Well, it's easy when you're on this side of it. Yeah. It's easy. Once you get yeah, on like, that side and there's change? special interest groups and yeah, there's all yeah, this stuff. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, it's happened like to many other people. So it would be, it'd be interesting to see. Seems like, yeah. It's definitely... I just don't understand why it's not like, you know, there's gotta be, I, I think we, we got to start putting some sort of limits on the depth that the amount of deficit spending there can be, if any, mm-hmm. you, you know, and it's weird. Like it's, it's, it's never going to happen. No, I know. But just think, think how much technology we have right now. Just so think how easy it would be. Cause I'm thinking about these like, the DAO, so like the decentralized autonomous organizations, for example, right? So you can set up these groups and you can, everyone gets this, anyone that's kind of invested in this group gets a quick say in whatever they do and that type of stuff. Think how easy it would be for them to just like, you could vote on different spending bills, like like so quickly, like, in, in, you know, they open it up for 48 hours and anyone that's got a phone can decide what their preferences are. Like, just think of the things they could do. But it just doesn't make any sense. The deficit spending, you cannot continue to spend this much more than you bring in. It, it doesn't matter if you're a government and you're printing your own currency or you're a whole, like a, a, a person, a family with two incomes. If you make, if the family brings in 150, 150 or $200,000 a year, but it spends 300, it doesn't work. It, it's going to fall apart sooner or later. And we have, we have examples all through, all through the world. Look what's happening in Turkey right now. 
Think if you're in Turkey and you hold the Turkish lira. You've been decimated. They closed the financial markets. If you had 100,000 you know, equivalent dollars worth of stuff in the, in the stock market, they closed the financial yeah. markets. And it wasn't long ago. That Did you see the police going into the grocery stores, looking at the prices on the shelves, and then fining the store owner if the prices were too high? Oh, no. Yeah, I there's Turkish that. police of some sort. I don't know what authority it is. Going into stores. Somebody shared it on Twitter. And they're going through the stores looking at the prices and giving the store owner crap because they inflated because the prices they're, because they're trying yeah. to do price controls. Yeah. yeah Saifedina Moose said something really interesting in Lebanon that even though they kind of like blew up their central bank, didn't they blow up the central bank and set it on fire like a year it. ago? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That people there still think the currency, like the, the majority of people, I hope I'm not putting words in his mouth, but it was along the lines of the majority of people in Lebanon still think their, their currency there is going to increase in value. So when they see it inflate high, they're still thinking, oh, get some because it's going to get better soon. Well, even mean, with even, all of this going on, he's, he's basically saying it's kind of like that. Well, you've conditioned. You're conditioned to think your currency is going to survive. So I just wonder, like, I guess circling it back to Canada and, and spending, I don't think we're ever going to stop our spending because people are so conditioned to just spend. And politicians just kind of encourage it. And then the population wants it. Nobody wants suffering. Like if I was to go and, and, and into parliament, I would say, I would be like the worst politician because I would say, okay, we need to suffer. We're going to need yeah. to suffer for probably, listen, everyone, I got some good news and bad news. Good news is this country is going to be awesome. Bad news is we probably have 10, 10 years, years of suffering in front of us and I'm going to cut a lot of shit and a lot of people are going to hate me and sorry about that. And for a lot of people who did the right thing for their whole lives and saved up and, you know, some of the pension funds that they thought they were going to get, those, they're going to be cut. Sorry, we don't have yeah, the money. You can't do it. Like, you're just going to be, you, you'll probably be stoned out of parliament. Well, the last person that did something like that was Mike Harris in Ontario. And there was massive protests. And then he pushed it through. And then no one's ever come in like that. I mean, the, the last PC guy in Ontario before Doug Ford, he tried. Remember? It was like a not common sense of yeah, I, I don't pay attention it was to some, it was something like that that he was trying to do and and just no one was, it, it, he was trying to follow that mike harris blueprint it just didn't work because because now it's like everyone's just like hey what's in it for me what can you what the, what is the government going to give me right and and you see it with it's, it's just very strange uh we don't forget yeah but, but, but politics serves no per and the reason i don't pay attention to it, i'm just thinking that if the the two friends of mine if they're listening to this marco and al dragged me into listening to politics because i dismissed it so much that i thought i'm never going to pay attention to politicians i just decided this like 15 years ago because they're useless to me i'm just going to figure out the money game i'll figure out how it works and i'll try to front run it yeah figure out the system and then just figure out how you can play within the system to to, to you know, get ahead, like win the game. That's basically what it is. It's like a big board game. But then when you kind of peel about, you know, when you peek behind the curtain and you understand it a little bit, you almost feel like you have a secret cheat code because you're like, oh, well, I'll just buy these real estate properties and these income properties and who cares of, yeah. of people who hate real estate? And I just know owning hard assets or build a business or do whatever you want. But if you focus on behind the curtain, then you just get into politics and get pissed off. Not mm -hmm. you. I just mean like if you mm -hmm. focus too much on that, you're like, oh my God, why are they doing this? You can, you know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But Can so on the flip side of that, you were talking about, um, uh, I, I think we went into population growth. Yeah, before whatever, we do, I just looked up uh, American M2. So they went from COVID at about 16, no, 15, 15 and change, 15 and a half trillion or so dollars uh, to 21 and a half. 
So they increased their M2 in the last two years. What is that? Like that's what, like 40%, something like that? Something like that. So yeah. 21, yeah, 30, 35 to 40%, depending on these numbers, if I was to pull them accurately here. Just think about that. Since the beginning of time, in the last two years, the, the currency was at a certain level. Then in the last two years, they increased the amount of currency in circulation by 35 mm. to 40%. Yeah, and it's they're absolutely to, insane. And they're still trying to push through more, right? They're like they're they're trying to increase their spending more. They was about to go through, and then there's that one senator that kind of has kind of put a stop to it because he won't vote with them. Where this ends is like, yeah, so I don't he, know. He, All I know is that wherever it ends, you just want real things. So if we yeah. go back to Turkey for a second, it wasn't long ago that Turkey. Like Turkey wasn't looked at as as a country with no economy and just really nothing going on. Like it was looked at as a growing country within that area and it was gaining influence and power and because it, it was had been stabilized and all this stuff. And now if you look what's going on there, do you want any of like are you would you have wanted any of your money in the Turkish lira or would you rather homes or gold stock well, mm -hmm. maybe not Turkish stocks because it was Rolex is even fine art. Rolex is fine Bitcoin, like anything. Yeah. Like you just do you like in the last year, anyone that got rid of that flipping currency is they're very happy they did because they've protected their wealth, mm -hmm. right? And 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 this this is like and the reason I'm using it's like their, when you're in the middle example, of it when you're in Turkey, so many people didn't because you're in the country you don't see it maybe yeah. and I feel like that's what's happening to Canadians. Well, no one talks about it too. Like this isn't something covered in the media ever. And if you're the type of person that wakes up every day and you ask Alexa what your media headlines are today or Siri, or you you know you open an app or you open, I mean, a lot of people get their, their, their news from Facebook or Instagram. These aren't the headlines mm -hmm. that you see. So it's not, unless you go and actively look it out, it's not in your consciousness and you're not looking at it. And that's part of the problem too, right? But anyways, that's my whole, I'm not going to go no, on media No, but it's a good rant. point because if you see the headlines on real estate, it's always like real estate are the problem or realtors are the problem or investors in real estate are the problem. But there's no discussion on why interest rates are so low facilitating all this, which is the cause of the problem no. and why we're printing so much money that makes us keep interest rates so low. That is the cause of the problem. It's just the symptoms that yeah. we focus on. Where that's discussed is often on news sites that are independent news sources that are often labeled as whatever whatever word you want to use misinformation if you're like a democrat fake news if you're a republican like whatever it is it's always like oh you can't you can't believe that site you can't believe this but there is independent news places that kind of gives you some something to think mm -hmm. about you know on the population side i just have this this data in front of me just for everybody listening i guess um this is over the last 40 years we've had about each decade so in the 70s the 80s the 90s and the 2000s we've had about three million people as a population growth number each decade, which is kind of interesting. It's been, been pretty consistent. And then the amount of single family homes completed in Canada have been roughly between, you know, it looks like 1.25 and 1.4 million single family homes. So we've had 3 million new people and we've had, you know, let's call it 1.3 million single family homes. So right there, you know, we have a shortage if, if, if there is, um, 2.1 people is considered a uh, 2.1 2 people is considered a family in Canada. So we're looking at like what's that one point, you know, 1.6 million family units or so, and we're producing 1.3 single family homes. So all those other people have to get like something, something else, townhome, condo, whatever it is. But then in the last 10 years, this is where the real estate market went wonky here in Canada. The population growth in the 
in the last 10 years in Canada was not 3 million, it was 4 million. So it was a 33% increase. And the amount of single family homes decreased to their lowest decade production in the last 50 years, since the 70s, to about 1.1. So we had an increase of 33% in population growth and we had a decrease in single family homes. So when everyone talks about like property prices, it's kind of like, well, if interest rates are low and governments keep spending money, so they're going to likely stay low, you know, relatively, I know we can debate what low means, but they're relatively going to be low for a long time. Our populations increased because the federal government has made changes, but there's no coordination to the provincial and municipal level, which is in charge of different housing, zoning bylaws and encouraging builders. And we've produced less single family homes over the last 10 years. So now we're in a situation where we have a tons of population. We don't have, we have less single family home production. I know condos have gone up and rental units in the last year have gone up, but we're in this environment where we just don't have enough single family homes to go around. So sure, if you're in Toronto, I guess you could laugh at this statement because you're going to, you know, if you're living in a condo or whatever, you're like, well, what's the big deal? But there's huge parts of Canada or Canadians that eventually want to start a family. They might grow up in Liberty Village in Toronto in a condo, but then they get married and have a family and they're like, well, I want to move to Hamilton. And then they look at the prices in Hamilton like, what the hell? When did that happen? Yeah. It's crazy. Actually, Nick, we were just sharing rents in Hamilton. I don't know if I have that handy. I can't remember where you shared that. I want to share that with everybody. It was an an upper unit. Uh, it was it was a, 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 de- a bigger size and it was a fourth bedroom upper unit instead of three bedrooms. But utilities in, it was just over $3,000. Yeah, $3,090 right? you shared. Yeah. Yeah, including water and gas. And the basement, so this is one. I don't know how big the upper unit was, but it did have a fourth bedroom. Does that say there? I yeah, he said the upper bedroom. unit was enormous Yeah, and uh, had a fourth bedroom. But still, it's an upper unit, uh, upper yeah, level of a single bucks. family home. Yeah. And then this investor thinks he's going to get now 5200 for one property. So not too long ago, so I guess 10 years ago, I guess that is a long time, depending on how old you are. <laughs> 10 years ago, we would rent out that home on the Hamilton Mountain for like 1500 bucks. On, uh, as a single as a Single, single family, yeah. yeah. Yeah, maybe even 14. Yeah. As, well, as two a, units. A little bit before, it was 1250. Yeah, but, so, but, but as two units, we'd rent it out for, what, 22, 2300 bucks. Call it 2300 bucks, let's say. Yeah. Now it's 15. Now it's 5200. Yeah. So, so it's doubled. No, no, it's more it, than doubled. It, it's double, but I'm just looking at it as a single family home that you rented at like 1500 bucks. Forget it. I know you can yeah. rent it out too, yeah, yeah, but yeah. now that same structure, the same structure sure. is generating $5,200 in revenue. Yeah, so if you, if you bought it 10 years ago and just rented it out for a few years and now you decide to, to put some money into it, make two suites, all of a sudden this thing's a, a cash flow machine for you. And this is where I think a lot of people are like, well, property prices can't keep going up. And I'm kind of like, well, yeah, I think people are just going to get smaller and smaller spaces. Well, we've already seen that. You saw that trend in the condo market. You, you see that trend everywhere, right? And I, I mean, we used to uh, I had stats on this before, but con- average condo size is down. Average townhouse con- size is down. Average lot size is down. Like everything is getting squished into smaller and smaller pl- spaces. That's like, you know. Did one. you see that? Did, uh, did I share with you that video of that one condo that's like maybe 15 yeah. by 20? If you and look they have in- moving walls or like the furniture rolls. So that like you can move cabinets and then go in there and sit at a desk yeah. and squish it back to the wall and the lower, lower a bed off the ceiling. So you can kind of like live in one little square space. Yeah. You sent it to me this morning. I sent it to you last night. If you look in the thread. Oh, really? So that's like what it's like communicating with you. Like I send you stuff, you ignore, yeah. and then you send me the same thing back. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Oh, that's from Nick. Mark as red. <laughs> Immediately Mark as red. What's he sending me? Uh, or don't look at it and just reply, oh yeah, it's amazing, Nick. Thanks. But I did see that. It's really Thanks, cool. So man. for anyone like listening, it's like... If there was, let's say there was a wall with a TV on it and, and, and some like shelving, that wall then kind of you would shift over 
you know, four or five feet. And then behind that wall, there's now this opening at which is there's like a desk and some shelving on, on the wall there. So you create these kind of different segments. It's hard to explain, but it's really, uh, it was really cool. And I don't know if we get to that level, but you can already see that that type of thing would be attractive in a lot of those, those tighter spaces. So and you could see what's happening just to home, like I'm just looking at two years worth of home prices from October 2019 to 2021 in Oakville up 43%. If you look at Woodstock, Ingersoll area over Nick over the last two years, and it's probably higher because that's this is October data property prices in Woodstock over the last two years are up 70%. Yeah. 70% oh, yeah. those in two of, years. Those types of areas all around, and, you go, and then when you go north of the city, those types of areas all got the, got way more growth than the, the ones where we've seen strong growth before. Barrie, 63%. Guelph, 47%. Kingston, yeah. Kingston, 49% over two years. If you look at the Kawarthas and, and, and Muskoka and things like that, like the Kawarthas. Yeah, Kawartha Lakes, yeah. 68%. Yeah. Look at London, the London area. I can't see London. Oh yeah, London. Middlesex. Yeah, yeah, London. Sixty yeah. percent. Huge Jeez. numbers. When 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 we're seeing like the GTA go up by well two years. Mississauga was crap. Mississauga thirty. Wait, what's going on with Mississauga? Thirty five percent. Mississauga. People. It's happening with yeah. our hometown, man. But people are leaving so that they drive so they yeah, can they afford, can't afford right? it. Well, thirty five percent. Mississauga is expensive. That's that's so thirty five percent is actually yeah. a huge yeah. increase. But but get this. So this is something I just saw around the population numbers that you just shared, because it's um. I think what what sometimes is hard to understand is is how much population we're getting in a in a relatively small country, a relatively small population set. So uh, this year, it looks like the U.S. Census uh, Census Bureau said the U.S. population is going to grow by about three hundred ninety three thousand, just under three hundred ninety three thousand. So that's point one percent for them. Okay, that's the lowest since the nation's founding. But if you look at Stats Canada. We, we had 123 new immigrants in just the third quarter this year. Now, and I want to come back to that because, you know, but it is the highest, the highest number since 1946. Um, and the, number, the reason why I want to come back to it is a lot of those were non-permanent residents that were already living in the country. So now they'll be added as permanent immigrants. So it's, it's, it's a little bit, it's a little bit misle- uh, misleading a little bit. But however, they are looking at, um, uh, they, they feel like this year, it's not over, but the Stats Canada says they expect about 403,000 um, increase in 2021. So that's a 1% increase. So that's the fastest growing population in the G7, surpassing the U.S. for the first time ever. Right, like we're like it's the, our number of 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 immigrants coming in, it changed or the number of population growth. It's not just immigration there because there's you know other population growth as well. But the the number of population growth based on the size of our country, it's a huge number. It's number one in the G seven. Right, so this is this is the the what what's happening and, and then, Toronto. We know in 2000, right before COVID hit, Toronto was the fastest growing metropolitan area in North America. Yeah. All of North America. But it still doesn't justify, because a lot of people are like, it doesn't make sense because, you know, when you see the debt, the, the, the GDP to, um, and the, the household debt numbers and the GDP yeah. to property prices and that type of stuff. And you see Canada kind of just kind of separates itself from the U.S. Because we'll be much higher. Yes. Because we'll be much higher than like, it doesn't So make Canadians sense. are carrying way more debt. Yeah. And we're also carrying more equity, mm-hmm. to be fair, in the properties as well. Right. Um, because of our lenders and our lending uh, policies. Yeah, that's a good point. That's we not are, really discussed. We are carrying more equity. But it's still strange to see that disconnect, right? But it's it's because of these, the like the low month, the, the interest rate policies that we're seeing as well. And then the other thing that comes into it is supply. Now, and then, but 
recently I saw someone post something and they're like, well, I don't get supply. Like, here's a picture of Southern Ontario. Lots of land. <laughs> Go, you know, right? Yeah. And, and, and they're right. There is lots of land. And we've talked about the green belt before and that's, you know, kind of like limits things where people can develop. And politically, it'd be very hard for a government to start going into and developing on that green belt because especially right now during these times with, with you know, how important the environment is as a political um, factor, I guess, it's hard for them to say, okay, we're going to just start chewing this up and building, uh, you know, offices and homes and stuff like that. So there's there's that side of it. And then I think what people sometimes miss with this type of thing, it goes back to the to money, is the 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 municipalities, the provinces, the cities, you know, there's no money to develop these these areas. They because if they develop these areas, they have to build roads, they have to build infrastructure, they have to build sewers, water. There needs to be garbage Sidewalks, collection. There needs to be all this lights. stuff, and they get they get initial development fees from the initial development. It's not covering it. They're all these municipalities are they're, they're, they they don't have the budget to do this stuff. So there's no incentive for them to even go and develop in all these different areas like this. And I think that's what sometimes people don't take into account. So the, the numbers are out of whack and it's because a lot of things are out of whack, like a lot of underlying factors are out of whack that are causing those those kind of, you know, GDP to debt numbers and stuff to be out of whack. And it's like, how does this get fixed? And 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 because we don't see how they fix it, that's why we're like, well, you know, this, it's, it's still... It's a mess. It's, we're not saying... Like, I'm not saying that the property prices are going to go up 20% over here. I hope they don't. That's like the most unstable thing ever. Like, that, that can't continue. We don't want that. But... But it's like, I don't know, like, how do they fix the problem? In, there's no short-term fix. The fix has to be, to long your point term. about before, long-term, Suffering. there's going to be some pain, and here's how we're going to fix this, but there is a plan. We're going to run a, we should, we go into politics on that, pl- that plan. Hello. Yeah. We will make you suffer. Yeah. We will make you suffer five, for 10 five years. Five votes. Yeah, 10 years of suffering. Doesn't that sound great? Hey, but listen, your kids will be happy. We'll save money. We'll get through 10 years and then we'll have money in the bank. I can see We'll have something called money in the bank. Do you I, remember WWE? Wasn't there a guy who had like a briefcase? Yeah. And he can see. Ted, not Ted Danson, Ted something. Did he say? And it was like a millionaire like money in the bank or something? Or was it a different guy? Anyway. I forget. Maybe we can bring him on into the platform. <laughs> But can you imagine Million running dollar man? Yeah, yeah, that was a different guy. No, million Ted, million dollar man, man. Our WWE something. knowledge is just Ted DiBiase. Yeah, Ted DiBiase. But was that his tagline or was it a different guy? I don't know his tagline. Money yeah, in I the can bank. Do so much here, Tom. But that was. But if we ran on that, hey, listen, Canadians, everybody here, we have great news. It's just going to be ten years of suffering, but at the end, we will have money in the bank. <laughs> We would get no votes. Hey, listen, we're not going to develop anything new for 10 years. There's just going to be more and more potholes. There's actually going to be so many potholes that your cars are going to be destroyed. (laughs) You're not even going to be able to drive down the highway. There's just going to be potholes for 10 years. And we're just going to pay off our debts and save money. Oh, yeah. No, his... uh his his tagline was everyone's got a price everybody's oh, got a price yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i think exactly it was a different one thing. money in the bank i forget someone here knows ww but listen to your point i don't think in uh, most even americans know how low our interest rates are so when they're comparing those things because what, I, what, what, what i i actually haven't like, every time i check recently, with every time they? i check with rob he's yeah. like two percent higher than us so if we're getting something at like 1.6 they're getting it at like 3.6 or for so. how long but they're getting it like a 20 they're or 30 year, for 30, 30 years term. Yeah, yeah yeah they get it locked in for 30 years maybe it's a little less now i should check in with him again but i'm sure if i told him that we were getting variable rates at like 1.15 he would have a heart attack like i don't think that's happening in the u.s but it'd be interesting to know we should check in if we do we'll report that back here no but one went, no one ever 
ever won our competition. We thought, remember, we thought, I mean, I mean, it's not over, but I don't think we ever had someone win. We had yeah. started a little competition in the office of whoever gets the first interest rate that starts with a zero. Yeah. But I think we got, like, I think someone got 1.05, but no one got like a 0. 0.99. Mm-hmm. I, think, 0. I think we're at the lowest, 1.15. Yeah. You know what? But 0. 0.99 was being offered. Remember, it was like HSBC. But it was or for a primary for a place of home. Primary and place. And it, it, like, there was all sorts of stipulations. It was, you know, if the anybody gets angle. zero as a mortgage, <laughs> what's the prize? It's an internal no team knew, thing, no or are you announcing this on this podcast? No, you made it an internal team thing, and you announced. Oh, you're no, announcing it on the podcast. You announced no prize. Oh, People yeah, I said there's going to be a prize. Yeah, I'm going to say, well, gonna, the prize is bragging rights. There you go. See, if you got a mortgage at zero, it starts with a zero, then yeah. you win life. <laughs> you win life. Listen, and and that's that's just the nominal rate. After inflation's taken into account, if inflation, the true inflation, let's say it's fifteen percent or whatever it is, like maybe well, maybe that's it, a tad high. You're actually negative fourteen percent. You win life. Well, call it. Se- I mean, what what is the latest one? Six points. Se- yeah. Eight, so so okay, call so it seven percent. Five. Yeah. So the real rate's negative five. You win yeah. life. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. it. Actually, you're winning life at any rate right now because of infl- the hurdle rate for. And think about it. You just said that property prices, how much they were going up. We talked about other cities, how much they're going up over two years. So, like, if you take that into account, and if you think the announced inflation rate of whatever it is was it six percent or five percent, whatever that. Lie. I, I think it's high. Five, I think it's. I think it was high, high fives five. in Canada. Whatever that lie was. Whatever the lie was. Yeah. That's that's our, our CPI that we use. If the real rate. Listen. If M two is going up thirty percent over two years, we can kind of say that like the currency that's getting into the stock market and into the real world now because we sent out checks to everybody. You're looking. You have to do better than ten or fifteen percent. In all of your earnings, in any capacity your investments, your personal income growth. If your money's not increasing at 10 to 15% a year, you're falling behind. Like the hurdle rate, listen, it's, it's probably closer to 15%. And that's, that's not even keeping up with the real estate market. It's not keeping up with things like Bitcoin. Like there's other things that are outpacing you. I so, never had this realization until Jeff Booth said something and it hit me that if you have your savings in hard assets or in money like Bitcoin, when you look around, everything's getting cheaper around you. And I didn't have that realization. Like if you have $100 worth of Bitcoin, you don't really have that realization because you're like, oh, like it goes up, it goes down, you know, whatever. But as you start to accumulate a little bit of property and a little bit of Bitcoin, you do kind of look around and go, wow, like I could sell this property here and I can, you know, take the cash and have a bunch of vacations. I could do some, or or Bitcoin even more so because relative even to the real estate, it's going up higher and faster. Well, look, if someone, let's say over two years, we're we're easily at a third, let's say a 30% inflation rate right between canada and the u.s i think it's it's you yeah know, sure just, just I, think, I think that's actually growth, fair i can't believe i'm saying this but i think right. that's actually so fair if you, let's say you had an rsp 100 grand in it and you made 20 percent over the last two years you're making 10 percent each year which when you read different finance books you're like man 10 percent compounded year over year like this is great you're doing great so you now have 120 grand but if you look around you you're just you're you're you've fallen behind you haven't even kept that hundred grand that you had in savings. It is now one twenty. Can buy less now, two years later than it could when you started. That's, you know, it's just for people retiring and who have to be careful. No, it like screws it, them. It screws them. Yeah. Like anyone who's retiring now and says, "Okay, I'm going to retire a little earlier than I thought." Yeah, I have maybe two gonna, million bucks. Yeah, maybe I'm going to retire at fifty-five instead of sixty, and I, you know, have a few million oh, dollars. Know, that could be worth nothing in like ten years. Well, if you have to live at for, sixty-five, if they listen, live from sixty-five to eighty-five, what are they going to have? It's pure destruction. Like you must get into hard assets. You got to get into something. It's either got to, you got to get something that spits off cash flow 
right? Or something yeah. that's going to hold income. its you value. Need, you need the income. Yeah, you need an right. income. But you, I think income becomes more and more important because it, it, it gets harder to to find all these assets. So whatever it is, wherever you can find an income stream, small, big, whatever. This is matters. something we said when COVID broke out that over the next 10 years, people who own income streams of any sort, business, rental property, go- that is going to be the future. You want an income stream because then you can adjust for, for prices. Listen to this. The Bank of Canada put this out. I've been wanting to share this. A report... Um, in July of this year called Exploring the Potential Benefits of Inflation Overshooting. Now, that's the title of I the know, report. That's crazy. And then listen, there's this, this is one paragraph I picked out in here for, for everyone because like it, I, this is my favorite paragraph. It says, the Consumer Price Index, or CPI, is the most commonly used measure to track changes in the overall level of prices. Okay, we agree. Uh, yeah, that's what you do. I don't really believe it, but sure. Yeah, uh, yeah that's what you do. Although the CPI has some advantages... This is from the report. This is this is the Bank of Canada's report that I'm reading, okay? Although the CPI has some advantages, it is timely and it focuses on transaction prices. It is not a true cost of living index and is there subject therefore subject to measurement bias. <laughs> measurement not, bias. It is not a true cost of living index. I mean, a measurement bias well, just I, sounds like we can just change it however we feel like we need to yeah well yeah like i guess they're saying you know the basically the way we're measuring it has a bias and we could make it more accurate or the way you're measuring it yours has a bias and we're more accurate because you know the way we're looking at it is the right way but the good the but good that's in i just want to say that's in their report no, and I, the title of the report is overshooting the inflation target but, but it's 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 like it's like a magician right they're actually not really lying to you. They're doing it right in front in of your eyes. They're, they're doing it right in front of your eyes. They're telling you about it. They're holding up the report, yeah. but they're shaking their they're other hand these reports. saying, look over here. So, so, so no one really sees How it and come, no one talks about why it. Why does no one ask the prime minister? No, why is the Bank of Canada putting out reports about overshooting the inflation well, target? The why? O- the only thing I've seen is, like you said, P- P- Pierre Polivier. So he's the finance critic of the opposition. That's why yeah. he gets so he much does make me la- He does make me laugh. And, he, and, and, he's, <laughs> and just recently he's had some interactions with, I guess, who, no, it wasn't the finance minister on the other, on the other no. side. I don't know oh, what that the minister. guy was useless, whoever that guy was. Yeah. And, and he was asking him direct questions and they just don't answer. He give, you know, It's like, why? how many people outside of the country um, got SERP? And the guy stood up and said, SERP was very successful. And then, you know, he asked him, well, you know, how much did it cost? And they just won't answer the question. So there are questions being asked. They just don't get answered. There's something else that I want to share. Some of the smartest people in the U.S. are definitely some of these bankers off Wall Street. A bunch of these Goldman Sachs guys went over and started NYDIG. NYDIG stands for New York Digital Investment Group. The founder and executive chairman of NYDIG is Ross Stevens. This guy is so well-spoken and wrote a beautiful shareholder letter on Stone Ridge, which I think is the parent com- company of, Di- of NYDIG, but don't, don't hold me to that. But in this shareholder letter, they said some, he has this paragraph that says something really, really interesting. He says that Stone Ridge, the embodiment of our risk management philosophy is the 10-10 portfolio. In its purest, unattainable form, the 10-10 is the 10 long-term allocations, each 10% weighted, each with a persistent, pervasive, and intuitive risk premium, each uncorrelated with traditional markets, each uncorrelated with each other, each anti-fad. 
So he's basically saying it's kind of like impossible to build this perfect portfolio where each of the 10 items he puts in there have a 10% weighting and they're not correlated to, to each other so that, you know, they're all independent, but it would be the most beautiful portfolio. And now this guy's like a super smart guy. And then in the next paragraph, he goes on and shares what their current, because they're up to nine. They've, they've chosen nine items now. Yeah. And there's one item that just blew me away because it says they now in their portfolio construction have catas uh, catastrophic reinsurance, non-catastrophic reinsurance. So basically insurance, alternative lending, that reminds me of private lending. Yeah. People are lending privately. Alternative lending, uh, maybe it's their B lending. Who knows what, what they're doing exactly. Market insurance, so more insurance. Drug royalty, I mean, no surprise. Pharma. Drug royalty, <laughs> yeah. pharma, no surprise. Private investments, also no surprise. Collectibles, he put new. So to me, that's like fine art, You know, maybe, mm -hmm. maybe vintage cars, that kind of thing, in an inflationary environment. Then these next two are really interesting to me. The next one's Bitcoin. And that's what he wrote the whole shareholder letter on. We've obviously talked a lot about sure, Bitcoin yeah. over the last little while. No surprise there. We're fans. But then the last one surprised me because the last one is single family home rentals. I know. And I, I just didn't expect it from this type of financial organization, New York Digital Investment Group and the parent company Stone Ridge writing this shareholder letter of the 10 kind of things that are not correlated, but that would make up basically their perfect portfolio. And one of them is single family home rentals. Yeah, yeah especially in the US, more so than in Canada. There's like, you know, big companies buying up huge swaths of single Did family homes. Did you see homes. the Canadian pension, uh, Canadian pension fund yeah. got into bed with some hedge fund in the US to buy single family home rentals in the US. So now we have Americans who are competing to buy properties against our Canadian pension yeah. fund. Yeah, yeah, that that uh, I, I can't I couldn't remember it either. This is like a, maybe two or three weeks ago. This yeah, I've, I think I wrote about it last last month. Was it a hundred billion they put in initially? I, I forget what the number is, but um, but yeah. So it, so more so in the U.S., these the the single family homes have been turned into financial instruments. Yeah, they've yeah, yeah. they've really been turned into financial instruments, and it, it might. Oh, how much was it? Thirty fifty no, million? No, 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 no. That's nothing. Oh. Um, and there's look it up. Hold on one sec. okay. And, and then while you're doing that, I just want to share some, something else. We were briefly talking about how Toronto is the fastest growing metropolitan area in North America in 2019. And then even now in the 2020 numbers that came out, which is the latest complete year of numbers, we're number three. The only cities ahead of us are Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas and Phoenix, Arizona. And the only reason those places are exploding is I think half of California is moving out of California into those two states. Nick, I have, I have oh, a buddy. Did I say a hundred? Sorry. Did I say a hundred million? I think I did. One you point, said a hundred billion. I think you said a hundred billion. billion. Okay. Yeah. One, one point zero six billion from CPP with Graystar real estate partners. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So now if you're buying properties in the U.S., watch out because the Canadian pension funds after the same property. Yeah. But sorry, what were you saying about Our the, pensioners are after your American properties. Yeah. Watch, that's where the world's come to. Hi, I'm uh, trying to buy this but single family on. home. Who's the multiple offer against? Oh, it's these Canadian pensioners. Yeah, you know what? But this is the best. So you've got to come back to the, your friends leaving California. But but you know what we were talking about earlier, how they're going to change more? Are there, the, it looks like very strongly that they're going to change some sort of mortgage qualification standards for investors. So they're going to change it on the mom and pop investor yeah. trying to qualify to buy a rental property but not the for, them, for themselves yeah. financially to give them financial the rich security. Get richer. Yeah, but the pension funds yeah. allowed to or take a billion, yeah, yeah. a billion dollars, and then they're going down to the states to to prevent to to buy multiple properties Nick, that way. Do what we say, not what we do.
It's like, I do mean, as we say, Nick, but not you, as we you do. You can't make this up. Yeah. Like when you think of, when you look at all the angles and you oh. think about this logically, you're just like, what the heck is going on? That's why. So, I, Tom, you're a bad person. You shouldn't be buying another yes, property. You are destroying your, the real estate yeah, market for your other family, Canadians. You're, you yes. cannot protect your family. You're at fault. You're a villain. Yeah. You're bad. You're the problem. So here, that's that's in this hand. Remember, look over here. Yeah. Oh, what's over here? Oh, we're just yeah. going to go yeah, do yeah, it right yeah, behind yeah, your yeah. back. Yeah. yeah, we're going to do it, but you're the problem. Jeez, man. Don't look at us. Nick, you're the problem. You're, but you were you, talking about uh, your friends leaving. Yeah, to, uh, a friend of mine left California because he said the taxes were so high that he can move to Arizona, get a bigger house paid off than the one he had in, in uh, California. And the taxes are going to be so much of a difference that the tax differences is going to put both his kids into private school. No, It's going to pay for private school. So basically, fully paid off house, bigger house, basketball, everything in the backyard, and the kids can go to private school. So they're leaving California. Yeah. So when you see Arizona... So he's, a bad, he's a bad person well, for yeah, looking out for his family. For sure. He's part of the he's problem. problem. He's part of the problem. He's a good guy, but yeah, he's part of the problem. Um, Phoenix is number two in North America and Toronto's number three. So the, the next fastest growing um, cities in North America, just so everyone knows, is Houston, Austin, Atlanta, Charlotte, Tampa, Seattle, and San Antonio. Toronto is number three, even during COVID when our population growth can't come in here. The U.S. is getting some changes in the country. That's why those two countries are growing. By capita, we get, and this is what you were sharing earlier, we get more population per capita in Toronto than any other city in North America. Number two is Montreal. Number three is New York, New Jersey. Number four is Miami. By it looks like a multiple of three. We don't get double the amount of immigration than the number two Montreal. We get almost three. It looks like a, compared to Montreal, to be fair, it's about two and a half okay. times. But compared to Miami, it looks like we get almost three times the amount of immigration okay, per capita. Okay, so let me stop, let's stop. Okay, so we know that's a problem. Let me ask you this then. What's the solution? In your opinion, right? Because we we need population growth to grow for, our to, GDP. to grow the economy, right? So I I think we want population growth. That some of that's going to continue to come through immigration and stuff. There's obviously been a major disconnect between federal immigration policy or population policy and any provincial or municipal housing policies. There's been a big gap, so supply hasn't kept up. So what's how do we fix this? We just control our spending. So listen. When COVID broke out, I think we all, nobody knew what was going on. Everybody would have spent whatever we needed to take as a country to spend. But now we've spent, and I think we could have changed this a long time ago. We have a deficit over the last two years, largely due to COVID, that we've spent $340 billion. It's like 330 the first year of COVID during that fiscal year. And like 120 or whatever it's forecast to be at the end of this fiscal year for the government of Canada. So it's going to be a total of like 330 50 billion dollars sorry no it's gonna be like 450 billion dollars roughly 450 billion dollars we've spent in the last two years where have we spent the money do we have more icu beds like i emailed our local mp just say like do we have more icu where are we spending 450 billion dollars that they can't proudly say every hospital across the country of canada has 10 more icu beds we spend 450 billion like the well, solution they're, they're is to fix to, the spending. The, the, they hired consultants to study what to do. <laughs> yeah, we were saying this earlier. Like if they came to private businesses, including Rockstar, and said, hey, listen, we're in a jam. We need ICU beds. We need you to help out. We would fundraise. We would donate. No one's come to the private businesses and said, here's what we're doing. Not only that, we even said what we're doing with our public money. So to, Nick, yeah, I think the, 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 the problem is the plan. It's the solution is, yeah, we have no long-term plan. All we have is short-term 
throwing money at anything that catches a politician's attention. But it's just announcements. It's just announcements. No, they're actually they spending the money. No, no, no. But in some cases, they, they don't. Like, I mean, if you talk to, I know a lot of healthcare workers, personal support workers here, when they promise that, you know, wage increases and stuff like that, a lot of them, like there was that money never even came through. Like, you know, and maybe it will, but it just takes so much time. But they make the announcement quick to look good and say face. So it makes for a good headline and then it moves on. But you're right. Like the, the core of the problem. And then for your immigration. There's got to be accountability yeah, like federal, spending. Yeah. And if the federal government's going to increase immigration as much as we have over the last five years, there's got to be some coordination. With a with, plan for With it. the provincial level of government and municipalities, especially around places like Vancouver and Toronto and in Alberta and Montreal, where a lot of these immigra- immigrants come to. I mean, our parents are immigrants. They came here, but there's got to be some kind of plan that says, hey, what is your housing plan in the next five years? Because here's here's the amount of people we're expecting to land. So so let me ask you this. Yeah, I agree. I agree. That makes sense. But okay, so so uh, uh, there's the, the talk of the new highway north of the city. And, you know, and I, I'm sure some people want it. And some people are like, you know, Doug Ford's the enemy. We, we can never elect someone. They're going to build this highway and they're going to go through some trees and land and stuff like that. But they want the highway so they can develop more of the area. Like, is there an education problem? And I don't mean education school system. I mean education as us as adults. That when, like, is there just an education problem that when when they talk about population growth, so some people don't want the population growth. They're like, we don't want immigration because, you know, it's too much. We got to protect Canadians first and stuff like that. You know, okay, maybe that's what they want. But if you... If we educate those people to say, hey, look, if you don't have population increase and not... We're not, not good at productivity improvements or innovation. Yeah, so here, we need population yeah, growth so here's for what, GDP growth. Here's where the downside is going to be. And then the people that want it and they just want open borders, but like let everyone in. We're like, okay, well, hold on. Here's what the downside is. Like, I feel like there's just this disconnect where, where, where people are never presented the full picture to then make an educated decision on, oh, okay, I get both sides of the coin. Let me now, and now I'll form my opinion based on that. I feel like that's missing because everyone just looks at the one side and the politicians only present the one side that they want to make themselves look good. And this isn't a political, like, I don't want, not a rant on politicians. No, but it's right. I mean, just in general, the way ideas are presented. For that, we need leadership in the country. Like, I think the reason Hazel McCallion is a mayor in Mississauga is if you agreed or disagreed with her, she was to me behaving as a leader. She spoke her mind, she would get things done, and she would look into things. And she might conclude something that you disagreed with after looking into it, but she did some research. Yeah. And she would decide and move forward. She she had some thought, she had something, she had opinions, and she would It felt like it was it felt like at least and I'm not sure, but there was information behind it. Educate they're like yeah. educated opinions, not not the information wasn't just you, she didn't just search for the information to validate what she wanted to do. It felt like it was looked at from both sides. Yeah, and a lot of people wanted a lot of things from her, and sometimes she would do, and sometimes she would just say, there's not enough money for another park, even though a park is amazing, and we're not doing another park in Mississauga. And Mississauga got trashed for that for a while, just mm-hmm. saying we don't have enough parks in Mississauga and that kind of stuff. But I think at the federal and provincial level, it definitely feels like at the federal level, I don't know. It just feels like we have no leaders. We don't have anyone who's like presenting a vision of anything. Mm-hmm. I just feel like, I feel like sometimes there needs to just be more open discussion and like on, real, on the real causes. Yeah. Like real open discussion of like, Hey, look, if we do this, that's good. And here's the benefit of doing this, whatever that is. At the same time, we have to continue uh, to look at the downside and here's what the downside would be and then make the decision. And if the decision is to go ahead with it, good, but let's openly 
unemotionally all discuss the downsides because I'm a strong believer that everything's got a good and bad side. Like everything's positives and negatives to, to like. Instead, we everything. have like theater and parliament, which is kind of funny to watch yeah, some of these it's, videos. It's, just, it's, just, it's like, just a waste of everyone's like, what are we time, doing? time and money. Like just and for this them is, sitting there. Honestly, this is why I just don't pay attention to politics. And I'm just like, I'm going to figure out the money. This is kind of the way we've been for years. Just like we'll figure out the money system and to protect our own family, we'll make our own decisions. You know, I, it's, it's, so Nick for 20, a real estate podcast or a pop, pop, yeah, now I'm starting to get pissed off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So for 2022 interest rates, I, I got to think they're going to raise them a little bit yes. because it's just going to look good. So 100%. I, I I'd say we can expect an interest rate. We can expect something from the liberal government. I think half point, half, maybe three Ooh, quarters. Half point on one announcement. No, 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 no. Oh, I oh, mean, over total. the course of the year. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I think, half they, I think they might be able to squeeze Two up three quarter quarters. Points. Yeah, I think they. That's, that's Matt. Be, yeah, okay, so now that that's where I I'm like, okay, that'll be interesting. Well, that's Matt. If they do that, yeah, it's not. It's not okay. Yeah, that's that's like. So so there's that. Then um, there's either that or nothing. So we're at zero moves, decrease in no, I say decrease they, in rates. I say minimum quarter point. They have to. What's do the overnight point? lending Just, rate in Canada? It's point two five. They can only decrease them point two five. No, they, so they, they, nowhere will, to go. It will go up minimum two okay. point, uh, more point two five percent. So then property prices. If the Liberal government and make some announcements that scare everybody, you got to think property prices at least plateau from the uh, rate of change. I think there's a strong increase in the spring, and then it. It plateaus comes, from there. I don't think it plateaus. It, it actually, comes down. it's like 2017. Yeah. Remember the first few months of 2017, it was run up, run up, run up. There was a couple of announcements mm-hmm. and it came back down. And then when I say came back down, I mean, it comes back down to where prices were in October <laughs> well, of this I mean, year. According to like, the numbers we just shared, they can come down 20% and you're still ahead if you bought two years ago. Yeah. like it's, But so it's, then they come down from there a, a little bit. What do and, you, then, and then they plateau. So like 10, 15% kind of decrease from there? Yeah, I don't 20? know. It's just, it's, it's so 20, hard because it's, it's big. segments of the market. It's like what's in the market. Remember, the run-up is going to... I feel like the run-up is going to still yeah. happen. Higher-end so, market might come down more than the starter yeah, home market. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So we'll, tough to say, we'll but some that. some kind of decrease. Yeah. But overall, it ends up... Because if you look at 2017... Man, I used to know these numbers. But if you look at 2017, overall, by the end of the year, year over year, the market was up mm-hmm. still. It just, it just... It had this... This kind of like blow off top and then, you know, it came down. But I think year over year, the average, you know, whatever the average was, I think it was still slightly up from So then our plan that we've shared with investors kind of over the years that for 2022, I think we still think for ourselves, this applies that you want to own income producing assets for us. That's income producing real estate. It could also be income producing business. But income producing assets. I mean, you want streams of cash flow. Yeah. So, Everywhere in so your life. The reason I like uh, real estate for a lot of people is they're not going to go start their own business. And to me, real estate, when I look at a property, I always think it's like a little business. The customer lives in the proper, in your business every day, but it's more a business to me than real estate. Like I've always looked at rental properties as standalone little franchise businesses. They're just like kind of standing all around and they produce this revenue. But so you have your own business, you have income producing real estate. Do not hold your savings in cash. Do not hold your savings in cash. Well, that hold on though. That that's hard. Like, I mean, because I've struggled with that too. Like some savings, you've got to hold in cash because you need easy access to it. But, but that's to me more your operating money. So I, okay. I'm I'm saying savings as any money, like and, and you would have to decide what this is. But any money that you need six months, nine months, whatever it is for you. Some people it might be three months. After three months, they don't need any more money on hand, and that's considered savings. But have two to three months or six months, whatever it is for you. Everyone's going to be different because everyone's situation is different. I'm I'm talking about money you don't need to live. Savings to me, you're not holding it in cash. So Nick, your the amount that you're holding in cash might be different than somebody else, yeah. right? Yeah, but any excess cash that I have, I'm I'm looking you're, at ways to 
get sweep out, it into get... assets. And one of those things I, I is Bitcoin as well. That's still on the radar for us. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just thinking. I'm just thinking because I'm like, oh, yeah, I, it was for me. I'm smiling I, at Nick as he's pausing. I'm like, I wonder what Nick's going to say. No, right I'm now. thinking. I'm like, I need to get out of some more cash. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm thinking. I'm like, because I've been looking over the last, you know, because there's been time over last week. I'm like, oh, what am I going to do with this and this? You know, just trying to trying to figure out what I'm going to do with it's it. It's a tough, it, but everyone's in that tough spot too, right? Well, I mean, look, it's a, I mean, yes, yeah, a tough spot. There's a lot of people that don't have the extra cash to put places. No, so but it's I not, mean, it's I a mean, tough decision to make. Like, where, what do you do if you do have a little bit of savings? Well, where do you trying, put it? Yeah, you're trying to figure out what's best for you and your family over the long term, mm-hmm. you know? And, and yeah, yeah, you got to put some, some thought into it. You know, I don't, I, I, at least I do. I, I don't just fly into things. Right. So I got to put some thought into it. I like to under, feel at least like I understand stuff and research stuff and get a little bit of an understanding. The next so. time we talk to Jeff Booth, I would just want to talk to him because lately he's been on a bunch of podcasts and I want to talk to him about like 10 years out because he's alluded to confiscation of hard assets before. And then when I saw Turkey shut down, they shut down their stock market. Yeah. So if you thought you had some savings in stocks and they shut down the financial markets because inflation gets out of control, you don't have anything. It's so weird. Like that seems so extreme. But it's that's so, Turkey. But Turkey's a G20 country. I know, but it's that's what I was going to say. It seems so extreme, like it could never happen here. But at the same time, it's, it's to exactly what you what you, you said. have to at least plan. It's, the probability is so not real. Zero. The probability is not zero. Yeah. So even if you think the probability is two percent, it's not zero that yeah. that happens in Canada like, at some point in our lifetimes. When you when you know when we used to talk about the hyperinflation in in Zimbabwe, and you have the Zimbabwe notes of like the hundred trillion dollar note mm-hmm. or whatever. It just feels like, wow, that's Zimbabwe. Like, that's just yeah. a little bit different. But this, it just, it, it's very real, you know? And it, and it happens, it happens Fast. faster than you think it could Our happen. Croatian aunt went to a bank in the middle of nowhere in Croatia, and they just told her to stuff a little plexiglass box in the 90s, and they would give her some new currency. They didn't count the denominations of the old currency. That yeah. was the 90s. I don't know why. I that happened think, to our aunt. I know. I just, I don't know why. They, I always think they can hold it together longer. But, but yeah. Yeah, America can. But I think all the fringe fiat currencies around. And like slowly, ours is a very, like if you look at like globally, like the Canadian dollar is a very small currency, you know, so like it's yeah. not, it's not. With a lot of debt. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely one that's not like. That, not the net we, debt that's, uh, that we always talk about. Yeah, we, we fall earlier than other ones that, you know, not yeah. all, not all. Yeah, America many, can hold it together other, longer than we and, can, and, for and, sure. And, when, and Greg Foss was on here and he's like, look, there might have to be 30 that go yes. before the Canadian dollar. And I dollar, agree with him. Right? That sounds just logical to yeah, me. Yeah, but we're not the last one standing, that's for sure. But if Turkey's now one that's going and it's in the G20, we're now now to 30. Is Turkey the, in the G20? The, I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah, well, I, I could know. be wrong as far as I understood you. I might, I might be. I might be. I just didn't. I didn't know. I know. I, like it was, it was looked upon as a like. Yeah, it, that's it, an actual economy. That's yeah, not yeah, just 100%. like some you know nothing economy there. Yep. Anyway, we'll leave it on that. <laughs> I don't know where we left it on that, but there is some thoughts on what's coming in twenty twenty two. Well, hold on, last last one, rents. Because rents yeah. have had a very yeah, yeah, strong run yeah. up this year. Yeah, I, I got to think they strong. settle now for a I little think bit. That's what we've now. always seen. We've seen them spike up and then plateau yeah, for, for a little, little while. And then they spike on us and we're almost surprised by it. And I feel like this year we've had the spike in rents. I got to think they they kind of stabilize at this amount. I mean, your text that we just shared earlier of those rents that we just yeah. got from an investor kind of surprised me. And where we've seen the strongest run up in rents specifically is low rise. Whether it's you could be... It could be correct, like uh, like, like a, a a main level suite, or yeah. you know, it could be a duplex or whatever. But it is coming but from like a single family home it's rental more low property. rise than, than high rise stuff, right? Yeah. Although the high rise has make it has made a comeback. It had a strong run up in the past too. And as affordability changes and the gap in affordability grows between low rise and high rise, then high rise rents will then push up again too. That always happens. But overall, I think rents might level 
off. Not level and it's off. Like, different. There might like, be condo but- rents might continue to increase a little bit because I think they're back to about almost where they were before the pandemic. So they might push a little bit further. Who knows? That's t- time. That's going to be very interesting because a lot of rental property, purpose-built rental properties are coming up in the GTA. The rental market will get supply for sure. It'll be interesting to see what happens to it overall once all that supply comes on the market. Yeah. But for as a sure. single family homeowner, if you're issuing it, a, 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 offering or, that property or town, out as Or townhouse or something. Yeah. Just yeah. low-rise stuff. Semi. If yeah. you're offering that out as rent as the whole house or creating a duplex out of it or a legal second suite or whatever, that likely is going to stay super strong at least at the levels that they're currently at. I can't see the rents changing. We very rarely, if ever, have we ever seen rents go down? No, but we've, we have also, it's been- un- That's over like 30 years. I don't yeah, think but we also haven't seen strong run-ups like, like this. this. So maybe they said, maybe right? the rents- But there is supply, there are supply issues for sure that we're seeing too, which are which are holding them there. So it'll be interesting to see. You know, but but yeah, that, that that's what I think. I think they I think there's a I mean they might go up a little like they might there might be some slight fluctuation, but overall they're in within a, a very normal range that kind of levels for for a little bit. So that we'll see how that works out. Happy New Year, everyone! Money in the bank, money in the bank. <laughs> Hey everyone, hopefully you enjoyed that episode with Nick and myself. If you are going to get into the real estate market in 2022, you can register for our next free introductory real estate training class at CanadianRealEstateTraining.com. That's CanadianRealEstateTraining.com where we go over all the different strategies we're currently working with investors here locally in the greater Toronto area and right across the Golden Horseshoe. So again, the URL URL for that is CanadianRealEstateTraining.com. Happy New Year, and until next time, your life, your terms.